0: Welcome back to an, another episode of Family Resemblance, number one podcast in your earphones. Back after a little mini hiatus, a little busy weeks, got a got a handle of me and Zach, but uh, we're back. Not at full strength, but I'll try to hold it down without the man. Um, and let's jump right into it. Yeah, fam or nah, you know the drill. Head, headlines from the latest in sports, and uh, I'll tell you my take on them. The first one. Yeah, fam or not, of Richard Sherman serving as his own agent when he signed his deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Sherman's deal featured only a $3 million signing bonus, a $2 million roster bonus, but it could be worth up to $39.15 million if he returns to All-Pro form. It's important to note uh, before I give my take that Sherman's coming off an Achilles injury, so uh, typically that it's hard to return to All-Pro form. But will this start a trend of players negotiating their own deals? Um, I'm a nod of this one just because I understand the approach Sherman's taking. He's a really smart dude, uh, did his homework, made sure he got a deal that he thought was fair. So in that sense, I'm a yeah fam, 100%. As long as he's okay with it, he's not getting duped, doesn't have to give any percentage to his agent, which is nice, I'm sure. Um, But I'm a nah overall. There's there's a reason why you hire these people to take care of things that are a little bit above your head and sometimes get you a little bit more money than uh, you'd be fine living with. It doesn't hurt to get more. So in that case, I'm a nah. Um, If it does start a precedent, that would be incredible. Sucky for the agent field. But overall, I'm a nah just because the numbers of this don't seem to add up. Sure, it could be worth a lot, but that's a huge, huge could – that's Sherman getting back to his peak form from when he was in Seattle. Um, I'm also a nod to him choosing the 49ers just for the sake of being in the division. I think he probably could have his pick from contenders and good teams, but maybe his thinking was that he already has his ring, so he could just go uh, do what he wants. So overall, I'm a nod but uh, it does have potential to become a yeah fam if he starts this trend amongst players, because I'm all about the players getting uh, what they deserve, and appropriate to the risk they're taking by being out on that field. You know we couldn't go far without mentioning the NCAA tournament. The March Madness brackets have been drunk, totally drunk, more drunk than previous years. Thinking about all the stuff that's happened so far, the first time a number one seed's ever lost to a 16, everybody knows the UMBC Retrievers managed to top the overall number one seed in the tournament, Virginia. Virginia. And fuck over my bracket all at once, all in one fell swoop. Fuck over a lot of brackets at the same time across the country. Uh, first 16 being a 1. And then you have that very same region, the south region, that featured that 16 over 1, Finish with no, none of the top 4 seeds making the Sweet 16 for the first time ever. It's the first time a region's ever failed to have any one of the top 4 seeds Their Sweet 16 featured number five Kentucky versus number nine Kansas State and number 11 Loyola Chicago versus number seven Nevada. Of course, we know Loyola Chicago continued its improbable run and made the Final Four, won that whole region as an 11 seed and a small school. Leading into the rest of our final four, uh, number three Michigan will be playing Loyola-Chicago. And then two number one seeds will be facing off against each other in Villanova and Kansas uh, to round out a final four featuring a 1-1, 3, and a frickin' 11. If you had that, congratulations. I'm convinced all you did was get lucky. So either that or you're an alum of Loyola-Chicago. As far as the tournament goes, um, (sighs) I want to say, yeah, fam. Just because it adds to parody, it makes it exciting. Everybody wants an underdog, but fuck that. I want to win some money, and I'm tired of these freaking brackets being busted so quickly. I'm trying to win money in bracket pools, and I know the rest of us are. And a 16 beating a one, and a Loyola Chicago making the final four is bad for business. So, uh, fuck all that. I'm a not. Nah, I'm a hater. Whatever. We all know that by now. Um, but I'm a not nah of the NCAA tournament, and I also think those underdogs are great and great stories on the first couple days. But when you start getting them into the primetime matchups, they don't show up like the Blue Bloods do. So um, I'd be interested to hear the the take of the actual NCAA people, what viewers end up doing versus uh, what ends up happening in the tournament. So overall, Manah, yeah, call me a hater, but I'm trying to win some money. And last but not least is quite, kind of a um, large topic here. Uh, the NFL offseason, it's featured very crazy amount of moves. Uh, just to run down a few of them, of course, we know the Browns have been busy. They've traded for Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, and signed Carlos Hyde. Um, all the meanwhile being part of rumors, possibly trading for Odell Beckham Jr., uh, they also still hold the number one, number four picks in this upcoming draft in April. The Jets traded three second round picks to the Colts, uh, in exchange for the number three pick likely means they're going with a quarterback at number three as the Colts move down to six. Uh, Michael Bennett went to Philadelphia. Of course, he's dealing with some legal trouble right now. Tyron Matthew was released by Arizona and signed with the Houston Texans, Jimmy Graham, in a surprising move, went to the Green Bay Packers while the Packers cut longtime go to receiver Jordy Nelson, who then went and signed with Oakland. Michael Crabtree went to Baltimore, LaGarrette Blunt to Detroit. We covered Richard Sherman to the Niners. Uh, and Dominican Sue was released by the Dolphins and then signed a one year deal with the LA Rams, who've been busy and acquired quite a bit of talent themselves. They let Sammy Watkins go off to Kansas City while trading for to Tlaib and Marcus Peters. They're making a ton of moves there. We had a big name in Andrew Norwell, a guard from uh, The Ohio State University, getting big money going from undrafted to highest paid guard. He signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Allen Robinson went to the Bears. Kirk Cousins, of course, was the beginning of the offseason, even before moves are official. He was the number one name in free agency. He ended up with Minnesota, while Case Keenum went over to Denver. Nate Solder went from the New England Patriots to the New York Giants. Uh, Speaking of former Patriots, Malcolm Butler went to the Titans, while Danny Amendola signed with the Miami Dolphins. Drew Brees re-signed with New Orleans for a couple more years. And the Bengals made a trade uh, getting left tackle Cordy Glenn from the Bills so the Bills could trade up nine spots. So um, got a little help in the front line but moved down in the draft. So we'll see how that one turns out. But overall, this has been a crazy offseason full of moves. It feels like NBA offseason. I'm a huge yeah I I eat this shit up. I love seeing players switch teams. I love seeing – People assemble the best talent they can. I love what some of the teams are doing, taking advantage of their situation right now and trying to capitalize off of it. Um, So I'm a huge Yafam. I love all these moves. I'll be interested to see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. If I had to put a Yafam or not on him being traded or not, right now I'm saying Yafam. It seems like the Giants are trying to clean house here a little bit. And I could see them getting at least close to their asking price of two first-round picks for Odell. Um, but I'm from the Giants' perspective, I'm a huge nod to trading one of the top receivers in the league right now. I, I don't agree with trading a player you know is dominant on the field for a relative risk and unknown in draft picks. So, yeah, fam, to all these moves— yeah, fam. Whether I think Odell Beckham's going to get traded here in this offseason, but not from the Giants' perspective and letting one of the top three receivers in the NFL go from their grasp. Moving on from Yeah, fam or not, nah, I'm going to go over the likey, no likey, and LeVarit. I have to start with my boys, Ohio State basketball. Likey, despite the loss. The second round of the tournament, I loved OSU basketball's outlook going forward. The future is bright, and starting with this season, far exceeding expectations. I can't wait to see where this program heads. I am a no lucky to them losing in general to Gonzaga. I feel like it was a game they should have won and could have, especially if they didn't just get down to a 13-0 start at the beginning of the game. Um, I would have loved to see how far this team could have taken it. Beyond Gonzaga, I have really felt good about their chances versus a potential Florida State team and down the road against Michigan, considering they'd already beat them once in Big Ten play. So uh, no lucky to them exiting early, what could have been, but uh, try to just remind ourselves, Buckeye Nation, that we exceeded expectations and everything was gravy after they made the tournament. And LeVarit, I got to go with my Dallas Cowboys. Move after move this offseason. Meanwhile, the Cowboys do nothing. Oh, wait, they let their fullback, Keith Smith, sign with Oakland and then traded for Oakland's fullback. Lottie frickin' dot of that, a bonus one. And they made the whopping huge move of getting Allen Hearns. But does that mean that they're letting go of Dez? So LeVar to the lack of moves the Cowboys are making, meanwhile having very little cap space with nothing to show for it. While other teams with rookie quarterbacks are taking full advantage, the Cowboys are sitting there trying to penny pinch and find ways to get themselves in more cap trouble moving forward. So, LeVarit to the Cowboys situation and not taking advantage like some teams are, like the Rams and Eagles. In a big LeVarit, Zach's not going to be here to defend his boys, but uh, LeVar to DeAndre Ayton and Alonzo Trier declaring for the NBA draft right after their first round loss to Buffalo. That's right. One of the team's favorite out of the South region, Arizona, a lot of people thought didn't get enough respect in their seating, ended up losing to 13 Buffalo. And then what do you know? Their top recruits don't even give a day to think about it or seem affected by a loss and decide they're just heading to the NBA right away. Yes, I get that they're likely going to go I'm not naive to that, but it's just a bad move. I fucking hate the idea that they their minds weren't fully into it to the point where right after the game's over they were already thinking about what's next for them. Um, I love a good team guy that, a lot where losses affect a guy. I love seeing that in a person because I just think you gotta hate to lose more than you love to win, and those guys just don't show it to me. So Lavar to Zach's boys from U of A, I hate that. Give it a day, mull it over, at least make it look like you're thinking about your decision before you do it right in the post-game press conference after a loss. Alright, Lottie died. we got three basketball-related ones. Both the first two are from the Sweet 16. Gotta give a Lottie dot to Tom's Clemson Tigers. Gabe DeVoe, scoring 31 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. The only problem is Clemson lost in the Sweet 16 to now Final Four, number one seed Kansas. You can't get huge games and losing efforts. You had to know by now. Lottie frickin' died Gabe DeVoe. On that same note, Purdue guard Carson Edwards put up 30 points of his own, also in a loss for Purdue against Texas Tech. Uh, Number two seed that lost to a three here. Uh but Lottie freaking die to you. I I know you're a talented dude, but no one is exempt. And last but not least, I have no problem discussing this one. A one Mr. Trey Burke, a Michigan man himself. Lottie frickin' die to you. 42 points, 12 assists, greater than 60% field goal, shooting percentage. But his New York Knicks lost 137 to 128. Even though you're from Columbus, go Bucks. Sorry. Lottie frickin' da. I know we don't cover it too often, but I wanted to add in a little toasty take for the listeners on this number one podcast in your earphones. I wanted to talk about my toasty take being that the Cleveland Browns at number one should still take Saquon Barkley. In a previous episode, Boss Man himself, Median. Thomas Percy Lewis, and I talked about how our favorite prospect was Saquon Barkley. I think the Browns, having the number one and number four pick, should stick with Saquon Barkley. While they don't know what the Giants are going to do at two, I think you take the best available player and know that you're going to get one of the top three quarterbacks at number four afterwards. I'm a big fan of that. I don't see Sam Darnold being a star, so I wanted that to be my toasty take. If the Browns take Saquon Barkley, he becomes Offensive Rookie of the Year. If they take Sam Darnold and lose out on Saquon, I see Sam Darnold not being, him being more hype than he actually delivers. So that's my toasty take. I say the number one pick, the Browns, not not by popular demand, but they should take Saquon Barkley at one and then go quarterback at four, whatever one is left after The Giants and Jets pick at 2-3, and respectively. Okay, it's time to move on to who you got and what you're feeling. Uh, Wanted to recap previous episodes. It might not just be the last one, but ones before that. We talked about uh, where Kirk Cousins would wind up. A lot of perspectives from Percy, Zach, and I. The result ended up being that Kirk Cousins wound up in Minnesota with the Vikings getting a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, getting a little bit more money than anyone's ever gotten before. Uh, I originally thought it would be Arizona or Denver, but that I would go with the Jets because they could offer a ton of money. Turns out we were wrong. He did end up with Minnesota, uh, and we'll see how that pans out. As I recapped a little bit ago with Toasty Take, Percy and I talked about our favorite prospects in this year's NFL draft coming up. I asked him what QB he liked the most, which is Josh Rosen, uh, likely going to be a very early pick in this draft, and which player overall. Him and I both agreed on Saquon Barkley. I, of course, had to throw in all my Buckeyes that are due to be drafted, you know Denzel Ward, Billy Price, Sam Hubbard, just to name a few at the top. Um, but overall, I like Saquon Barkley, and we'll see how that turns out and where where those guys wind up. We also tried to predict our number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Percy wasn't as invested in who ended up being the number one seeds. And apparently the number one seeds weren't as invested in where they ended up either. Um, My prediction was that Virginia, Villanova, Xavier, and Duke would be the number one seeds. Of course, by now we know uh, that it did end up being Virginia, Villanova, Xavier, but the fourth one was Kansas. Um, and sure enough, Villanova and Kansas are the ones that are still left while Virginia lost to f- fucking number 16 UMBC. Xavier took an early exit uh, and also just lost their coach who Chris Mack took a job at Louisville. The- that news just broke. He took a seven-year deal there. And while we're talking about college basketball coaching moves, Pittsburgh finally found their man in uh, former Duke assistant Jeff Capel. I love both of those hires. I don't think you could have gotten much better than either of those. And as far as I'm concerned, giving each of them seven-year deals is perfect for each opening. Just because the state of mystery those programs are under, you want a good name and you want them to feel secure. Without further ado, this week's picks. The first one is the top NBA draft prospect. So, I know I ragged on the guy earlier, but I do think DeAndre Ayton, big man from Arizona, is the going to be the top prospect in the NBA draft, I think. Whoever winds up with that number one pick, likely the Phoenix Suns, uh, will take Ayton. Um, and if Ayton does wind up in Phoenix, he won't have to travel far from college to, to start his pro career. But my personal favorite prospect is... Just declared for the draft officially, but is Marvin Bagley the third out of Duke? I love this guy's game. He's got such a high motor, makes rebounding look effortless, high points every rebound, and is relentless on the boards without seeming to be tired. He's got a great offensive game to complement his rebounding, and he's very active. He can beat guys off the dribble that are likely bigger than him and can post up guys that are smaller than them and get around them and still be effective in rebounding. One of our other writers at Holyfield described him as an Amari Stoudemire in his heyday, uh, which that comparison I absolutely love. So watch out for Marvin Bagley. That's my favorite prospect this year. Those Duke guys, I don't know. I just watch a bunch of them. I loved Tatum last year. And of course, he's on a good team this season. But uh, he's proven to be quite the effective rookie, and I, I like like the same for Bagley heading forward as he joins the association, likely in a top three to five pick. Of course, we went over the NFL offseason moves earlier. I went through and listed them. Um, for a Who You Got, I wanted to talk about my favorite NFL offseason moves. Um, just a couple small ones. I love the LeGarrette Blunt move to Detroit. I think they had a lot of speed guys, and they needed a bruiser. Um, we'll see if they actually get dedicated to handing the ball off, though. But I absolutely love what the Rams did. They acquired two amazing cornerbacks in Aqib Talib and Marcus Peters for less money combined than their former corner, Tremaine Johnson, who wound up with the Jets and got overpaid. Also, crazy to say, I love the moves the Browns made to obtain solid talent without losing their top four picks in the first two rounds. And not too surprising, but I think the Tyron Matthews signing could be really great for Houston, and it wasn't for a big risk. He's getting paid very low compared to his potential, and he'll be playing behind a great defensive line led by J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney um, and Whitney Merciless. I think he's going to be able to maximize his potential under Romeo Cornell's defense. So I really love those moves. Sure. It's easy to pick out the Rams and Browns because they've made the most of them, but I love that they're acquiring talent while they still have their quarterback and running back under rookie contracts. Are you hearing this Dallas Cowboys? So look for the Rams to make a big splash. I think they're making moves that are Big for their title chances. Now, the one concern with the Rams' defense is they trade away Alec Ogletree to the Giants, and that was a leading tackler. So look for that that linebacking unit to be the weak spot behind a stellar defensive line, especially if they're able to keep Aaron Donald to pair with and Sue and two great corners in Tlaib and Peters. So love the Rams' chances this year, while the rest of the NFC West is... Doing a 180, it seems. The Seahawks are cleaning house. The Niners are a little bit of a mystery, but getting better. I think this is definitely the Rams' division to lose. And if Houston can be healthy this year, including their newly signed Tyron Matthew, look out for them too. Um, In an AFC South, that's seen a lot of change in the last couple years. I wanted to make my picks for out of the Final Four. And who wins it all? Of course, we know the matchups. Number 11, Loyola Chicago, will face number 3, Michigan, in the in one matchup. For which I think Loyola Chicago's Cinderella run, sorry Sister Jean, but ends here. I think Michigan, as much as it pains me to say, is on a roll. They've been scorching hot at the end of the season, heading into postseason play, including the Big Ten tournament. Um, And I don't see that stopping. So I see Michigan beating Loyola Chicago. And then I'm going to go with Villanova topping Kansas. They're one of the top offensive scoring teams. Actually, they're the top offensive scoring team in the country. And I see that continuing. So I'm looking at a Villanova versus Michigan final. And I'm going to go with Villanova. Did three different bracket pulls, and I think Villanova is my champ in one of them. So I'm going to ride with Villanova winning it all this year. Uh, I know they won a couple years ago in that dramatic last second three against North Carolina. So this would be their second in three years. So I like Villanova to win it all over Michigan. And that's a nice segue into uh, the next who you got. This year's NCAA Tournament. Good for basketball because of parity, or is the product suffering because there is this parity and the Blue Bloods aren't making it to the primetime events? So, as far as my answer goes, I dig the parity, and the format of the tournament being one and done can always lead to an upset. Just the nature of the beast, someone can get magically cold, someone can get magically hot, and any given day, a great team can lose. I mean, look at this season. Good teams weren't as good, and there were a lot of ranked teams. I think more than any other season, um, more ranked teams lost to unranked opponents this year than on any other. I mean, the simple fact that North Carolina was a the first two seed with 10 losses tells you a lot about the state of basketball this past season. I'd like to reserve judgment, though. I want to see a bigger sample size for this to be the norm. But for this year especially, I think the product will end up suffering because of smaller schools being in it. I personally love to see the upsets. I love the format of the tournament. But as I said earlier, not at the expense of me winning money, which has suffered the last few years. Maybe I just suck at picking, but who knows. Um, This tournament's been drunk off their ass. We'll see if it's the same going forward. But... It's a little bit of both, sounds like a cop-out, but if I have to pick one, I'd say the product would suffer if this continues. Um, You want to see the best teams, the best players compete at the end, and while it's all great to see upsets in the first two days of the tournament, when those games become less and less, you want viewers to stay, and the way to do it is not for these small teams to make it through. You want to keep the interest of the majority of fans across the country. So from the NCAA standpoint, they got to hate this, uh, but fans early in the NCAA NCAA tournament love to see the parody. As far as what I'm feeling this episode, I got to give a shout out to my friends Zach and Tori for getting married this past weekend. I'm definitely feeling the good times that were had there, celebrating two people we love a lot. Uh, I love how weddings are able to bring so many people together just to have a great time. So um, what I'm feeling is that feel like a slight hangover from celebrating so much um, and it all of a sudden being over. So shout out to those two being newlyweds and us getting to be part of it. Uh, it It was a magical weekend, so I'm feeling that and wanted to send my love to those two. And you know how we wrap up these episodes with too much sense. I love giving that advice and it's usually more than two cents worth. And usually advice you may not think you need, but here goes nothing. This week, I want to make sure that you take responsibility for your role in an argument. But only your role. Don't allow another person to make you feel bad for things you shouldn't be apologizing for. Apologies usually involve two wrong parties in some form. Each party should own up to their own part, not tell the other where they are wrong. That old saying, just use I statements, is so true. Own up to your part of it. Don't start accusing people or expecting them to answer theirs. When you own up to yours, the other part will come, just like my advice from the last episode. So take responsibility for your own actions and especially your own role in a fight or an argument. Uh, That's my too much sense for this week. And we'll be back for another episode, hopefully at full strength. I hope you dug it. Number one podcast in your headphones. Sorry for the small hiatus. We'll be back better than ever. And you know the deal. Keep checking us out on Holyfield.co. We got draft stuff coming up for NFL and NBA. We're working hard at it, so check us out. Check out all the other podcasts from Holyfield. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Or if you're an iPhone user, get on those podcasts, subscribe, and make sure you get all of our newest episodes right away. So we'll talk to you next time.